Hello, listeners. Hello, everybody. We welcome to Can We Say It. We are joined by two special guests today. Beck is very busy on some secret business, secret squirrel business that we will be discussing at a later date. But very, today very we have special guests Howie Beck's better half. Hi. <laughs> and, hi, Howie and Nick, my husband. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and um, we. We wanted we want to start by saying that I guess the biggest news that was talked about uh, in the last week to come out of America or just here in general that we really wanted to discuss was the last dance, but um, unfortunately now it's not the biggest news at this current time. So we just wanted to acknowledge like what is happening in the world right now and how you're in you're in LA. Maybe you could give us an update like what is happening over there with the the riots and what has come out from this terrible, terrible thing to have happened um, to George Floyd. Yeah, it's a crazy time in the United States right now. And there's kind of a lot of unrest and a lot of tension. And mm. it's almost a little disheartening because I, it, it feels like history sort of is repeating itself in terms of just the issues with race relations and just the overall kind of polarizing nature of what's happening in the world with, with our politicians and just social injustice. It's, it's just very, very concerning. Um, in Los Angeles, I know there have been a lot of riots and they actually just um, issued a curf- curfew, a mandatory curfew of 8 p.m. Everyone has to be inside um, wow. in Los Angeles. Wow, that's kind so of scary. kind of Very scary. So it's something that we're going to kind of monitor, but we're staying out of harm's way. We're kind of just praying for the best and hoping that cooler heads will prevail. Yeah, we hope that everyone is safe and no one's hurt. Like, can I ask just quickly, like, was this, there's there's protests and riots all over the country because of what Mm -hmm. happened in Minneapolis? Is that, has it spurred all these, like, other sub, sub riots? Is that what's happening? Like, is that? Yeah, okay. Basically, that's that's the gist of it. I think there were two kind of high profile situations, the George Floyd situation and before that there was a another young black man that was kind of hunted yes. and killed. Yeah, Ahmaud Arbery, exactly. And I think those two situations kind of are are spurring the uh the protests and the unrest that you see happening around the country right now. Um, because I feel like people are always told to protest peacefully and, you know, I would never obviously condone any type of violence or, um, protesting Mm. in in any way that where people are getting hurt. But I feel like there's just a lot of anger, especially in the black community where people feel like, you know, we can't protest peacefully without something Mm. being said about that, or we can't go about things in a way where we feel like our voices are heard and our communities are, are being protected from senseless violence. Um, yeah. So I feel like that's kind of the impetus for, for, for these protests. People are like, well, I, I'm just going <laughs> to go crazy. Take matters, and, into, take matters into my take own Take matters hands. into my own hands. Yeah, essentially. And I think they're hoping that will create more of a stir and, and you know, cause politicians and and lawmakers and and um the police to actually take notice of of what's going on i hope so too i hope that my deity oprah in this in these situations is correct because she she wrote something a bit prophetic and poignant that maybe this is finally the catalyst for change like these two last tragedies that happened could be that final influence that's going to change Hopefully, maybe th- this time, and this time maybe um, the white, like people from other races, like white people, other people will advocate with the African American communities. I hope. My worry is, you know, the cop that that did the um, the yeah. violence had a history of doing it, and he was still actively in the police force. Uh, right. So until they start leaving cops like that out, I mean, not- yeah. 
obviously the, we could talk about this forever. Obviously, it, there's a, obviously a system issue. There's like they have an issue in their police, like not just their police system, like everything, like their education. System, it's like a systematic system. kind of yeah, issue. That's yeah, yeah, kind but of pervasive least, throughout society in yeah, the states. Yeah, but at least this, at least it will shine a light onto the fact that he's. If there's one cop like that, there's many to him, many probably like him. Exactly. Um, yeah. I read something really profound that Will Smith said recently, and it was something mm. to the effect of racism isn't getting worse. It's it's just getting filmed. Yeah. And that's sort of a big factor in, in what's playing out in, in the States right now. And also, obviously, with the pandemic, um, I, I feel like it's made everyone kind of pay attention more because everyone's at home. Everyone is kind of limited in terms of traveling around and doing things and being a hundred different places so it's kind of forced people to zero in on what's actually happening and and like the real issues in the world and the and the pandemic in general has really changed everybody i feel um and maybe maybe this is this is the this is the change and you know unfortunately i've heard i mean it's cliche but i've heard this said many times you know obviously when a when you know when a when a caterpillar has to become a butterfly, they have to go through an extreme pressure cooker torture in that cocoon. And right. perhaps the thing now is like the waves of change is always some horrible precursor to that. You know, like wars and pandemics and tragedies happen. I hope. I mean, I'm I'm too idealistic in these cases, but I get I'm what you hoping, mean, though. Yeah, you get yeah. Yeah, I'm just hopeful that people people wake are waking up to the fact that this is just not you can't go on like we can't go on like this as a society. <laughs> no, I mean I obviously hoped we in 2020 we wouldn't be dealing with the same issues we've been dealing with for decades and decades and well, I mean centuries really. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> hundreds of years. But I mean I kind of align with your view Hannah like I I'm hoping that I'm not being naive and that I, I can be optimistic that we'll one day get to the point where we're not dealing with these things and where you know eventually we can have difficult conversations or these events mm-hmm. actually lead to tangible changes in society that kind of stop these type of things from happening yeah and we hope that some leaders will take matters into their hands to to do this and also to, to educate like I think it all starts with education if they if they focus this more in an educational sense from when you're young I, I don't know I didn't grow up in America but if if there was some kind of some kind of education on the on the on the young people they could raise generations who are more tolerant or you know I don't know it's just yeah anyway yeah I, it, it's, <laughs> a, it's a really complex that. issue and I mean I, I'm always interested to see the perspective of you know, people outside of the States and how they kind of perceive what's going on here because. We talked about it yesterday because we have an indigenous community, but right. well, it's very different, but still. We... Different, but I guess similar in a sense in, in that there was kind of a history of a oppression. And I mean, yeah. it's all very, all these issues are quite deep and quite. It's really deep. We're not, yeah, we don't want to get too political, but we wanted to acknowledge what was happening because. It's yeah, it's very relevant, and we you're in you're in the thick of it in a way. You and Beck and Mackay. Yeah, absolutely. We just want we want to know that you're okay and your perspective on what's happening. Yeah, it, I I mean, I just it's just very upsetting, kind of seeing this all play out, and I just hope people realize that this isn't just like a black issue. It's a it's an everybody issue. It's everybody. And, it's everybody. Yeah. And I guess the sooner we can get to a point where we're more empathic just with each other as mm. as human beings, then I feel like we'll get to a place where we weren't we aren't dealing with these things as much. Yes, good. Well said. Well said. I think we'll 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 pivot on that point. But I just wanted to ask you as well before, uh are your pair are your folks okay? You spoke to them? Because I know that they're not yeah. in the same city, but they're cool. Like they're okay. Is 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 there is there any trouble in there? No, in my, my parents are good. Um they're in oh, Atlanta, good. which is in the south. They live in Georgia. 
So there, there are also protests happening all around the country, including in Georgia um, right. and California. So, you know, they're trying they're their best okay. to, yeah, to kind of stay away from, <laughs> from well, stay out of harm's way, really, and, and just sort of obviously be supportive from a distance. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it it's just a tricky yeah. situation. <laughs> like, I feel like everyone yeah. is just sort of, I actually, yeah, I think it would be awesome idea if like once the rioting, like the the heat of the riots, like subside a little bit. I think it would be awesome for people to actually protest with 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 those people, like with with others, like but in a in a you know like remember when the women when remember there was that women's protest uh, when I think it was after Trump got elected. There was like hundreds of thousands of women protesting in Washington like something like that like a movement like a that would that would be that would be cool (laughs) yeah I mean I I just hope that the the violence doesn't kind of become perpetuated and just yeah overshadow kind of the fact that everyone wants peace at the end of the day. And I feel like people are just very upset and on edge and angry and feel like their voices aren't being heard and their perspectives aren't being considered. And there's just a lot of fear in in our country right now. And and I feel like having difficult conversations with people of different races can, can sort of lead to healing and sort of lead to a deeper understanding. So that's kind of my hope for where things go in the future. Okay, let's 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 hope that happens, and we'll see how this plays out. On a lighter note, going to pivot slightly uh, to the Last Dance because we we loved watching it, all of us. Back to it was oh, riveting. Oh my goodness! Was it not and like just kind talk, of reliving we childhood? To talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's a lot to unpack. So much to unpack. So much to unpack. <laughs> we we want to start with, I think one of the big themes that came out was Jordan himself. I think we could start there because he's such a huge, such a huge personality and playmaker and just all round amazing human being. I think we should start with um, his athleticism and what 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 are, what were your thoughts on how they portrayed him or how he was portrayed? Oh man. Well, for me, I'll start off. Um, I found him very just very charismatic. The way he spoke, the way he handled the media, always lighthearted. But I think deep down there was some some hidden pain that he didn't expose to the world too often. And I think this documentary really exposed mm. it, particularly around his father's death. Yeah, that really yeah. resonated with me. Um. I was surprised by a few things. Uh, his gambling addiction, <laughs> if you want to call it an addiction. I don't know. Yeah. Right. He said, you know, I've got the money and all he that kind of stuff. He likes the flutter. He likes the flutter. It wasn't really an addiction. He had to win. He had to win, had to win just, everything. He had a winning problem. Yeah. He had a winning <laughs> addiction, which yeah. is pretty insane when you get to his level and you, you have to gamble with your security guards just because you <laughs> want to take their money. Like, that's <laughs> pretty extreme. Yeah, I couldn't figure out if that was boredom or he was just actually no. really in there, like he wanted to win that. <laughs> no, I think like he I was sitting just... in that room for a while, you know. Right. I, I mean, the way I perceived it was, I, I think he was just one of those guys that's hyper competitive. Like, yeah, yeah. If if he saw you, like, just playing any kind of game i feel like he has the personality type to where he's like i got to figure out how to learn how to play that game yeah. and beat you yeah. just because and, yeah and not just sometimes beat you but beat you well like and tell really... you about it <laughs> yeah tell you about it yeah and but, it it, yeah. it spanned beyond that even he would he would create situations in his mind or he would use the sort of indignation motivation. yeah he would use that as motivation like oh oh oh, okay malone you want to make him mvp okay that's cool i'll show i'll show you guys i'll show you guys <laughs> right oh. it, it it's it's almost uh it for a lack of a better term it's almost like sociopathic like he 
yep. got to is this. It? I respect well, it. Well, <laughs> no, oh no, I respect it deeply, but I mean, like, but to get to that level of obsession, I feel like you almost you almost have to be crazy to just be like he. I, I, there was one moment where I think they were playing the Blazers in the finals, and yeah, they were just comparing Clyde Drexler. Um, who was like a great player for the Blazers at the time to Jordan because he was one of the best, better players in the league. Yeah. And Jordan just got irritated that he got com- like mentioned in the same sentence as Clyde Drexler. <laughs> and he just, he almost used that as fuel to just completely dominate him. And, but he had nothing against the guy or, right. or any type of ill will, any real beef with him he, he just disliked the fact that he was mentioned in the same breath and wanted to kind of put that to bed you can see how that's there's definitely some ego in there that nobody else can be good except him although yeah but he didn't mind others being good if they put the work in that he did like if they were like when he told um Kerr to do the shot and he let Paxton take that shot at the end of the championship like he doesn't mind if I feel like they were they were rare situations though, because ninety nine percent of the time Jordan's taking that shot. Right. Oh, hundred percent. He did trust his teammates though. But to Hannah's point, he almost had like a he had such a alpha male kind of mm-hmm. mentality that it was like if I challenge you and you don't fight back, like I'm just gonna berate you until you grow some balls and and kind yeah. of get with the program that sort of was yeah. his mentality he wants everyone on his level like and he doesn't care if anyone if people like him or not because I like there's that. a lot of people yeah. who don't like him yeah apparently he was a bit of a like a bit, yeah a little bit dominating in training uh to the, the point talking. of bullying i think peyton was it peyton that said he was the best trash talker in the mm. whole in the whole and um nba and that's saying something because Gary Payton was a, a trash legendary right. trash talker himself. So, so he must have been really good. He seems relentless. Yeah. Did you guys? Well, how was? How did you guys feel about him in terms of being a teammate? Did you? I would have loved. I like love. I would, a good I would teammate. Work with him. I would love to work with. I would love to work with him. I think he's. I I, I don't know. I I feel like he's got every right because he's proven himself that he's a singular sort of athletic almost non-human, you know, person. And he works hard, puts the hours in, and he wants you to be on the level to win. And he knows that you're kind of going into a really sort of warlike situation where you're not going to be handled very nicely in the real games. He's kind of, it's kind of like a tough love. Is that not terrifying, though, at the same time? I find it terrifying. I mean, there's a coach there, and it's almost as if Jordan himself has set the standards for training rather than the coach right to meet his standards rather than the coach's standards which i think is exactly it's almost like phil Mm. was the coach but jordan was really who they feared i don't think they feared letting phil jackson down i think they feared disappointing jordan and not performing at the level that he wanted them to perform at because Mm. it's it's almost like this guy's walking on water yeah, and he's looking at you like, "What are you, what are you doing? Like, what? Come on, follow me." And it's like you know you're gonna drown if you try and do what he does, but exactly. you almost have to try to not really feel his wrath. <laughs> like, and I, and it's a very strange thing. If they had missed those shots, what would Jordan do to them? Crucify exactly. them in training, I imagine. Well, they never get the ball again. Yeah. Well, Kerr, that's right; they'd never get another chance. Kerr was saying that. He he wasn't playing very well in some of those finals, and he he wasn't like he wasn't delivering. And uh, Michael did give him that shot, but it did show Michael. Michael missed too. Jordan missed too. But did he give him the shot? Or are you saying Jackson had nothing to do with giving Kerr the ball for the shot? They made out that it was just Jordan's decision. I don't know if that's necessary. I think that was Jordan's backup plan. Like no, no, no. Oftentimes you have a plan. Um, are, are like you might break the huddle with an idea of what you might do, but then certain things happen in the in the heat of the moment, and you kind of have to yeah. make a split second choice of, am I going to take this shot even though there's three guys defending me, or am I going to pass to Steve Kerr? Yeah, he said be ready. Shot. If 
they do, if they're on me like and I can't get them off, be ready because because it doesn't sound exactly like the sort of challenge Jordan would enjoy. Yeah, I have three people on me. I'll still I'll still win it. Sounds exactly like something he would like. Yeah, but he's also yeah. he's also a he was a uh, a winner. He will do anything at all costs to win. That's that that's the thing. He will. He will pass to Kerr to win. It's like the final moment. Can we just emphasize <laughs> someone else will get the shot? It's interesting that you, you brought up, you know, Kerr and Paxson because watching the documentary, it's almost as if Kerr kind of, he kind of saw Paxson's role on the team and he's yeah. like, you know what? I'm going to iron out the same niche for myself exactly. and sort of like, that's going to be the role I, I play when the time comes like i'm just gonna be the dude that makes timely threes um makes timely assists defends um just does whatever i need to do to not slow down the jordan show and phil jackson was a very intelligent very uh very seemed like a very kind person who like very good coach very motivating uh you know had he, this- he understood his players Especially with around Rodman, yeah. Rodman oh yeah. Oh, he, let him, he let him off the leash a few times because that he know, needed it. Got the best out of him. Got the best oh, out yeah. of him. How and many maybe coaches would be like Jordan? That? You know, he let Jordan be. He a let bit of a bully. Yeah, but he knew that he would thrive. Phil Jackson is like one of these guys who's just. It's almost like unbelievable, just <laughs> looking at his career because it's like. You got to coach Jordan and Kobe in the prime of their careers. Wow! And one as as a player himself. So yeah. I've, I'm, I've, I can't even remember how many championships he's been a part of. Wow! Oh, you were saying Nick? How there's some parallels with other superstars? Is that about Jordan? Yeah. What came to mind for me? You probably won't relate to this, Howie. But if you've ever watched cricket, which I doubt, but in Australia, we talk about Sir Donald Bradman a lot in cricket. Not that I'm a big cricket fan, but right. he was also, you know, the greatest ever, greatest batting average, and he was widely disliked by other players. Mm. I just see some parallels there with superstardom and, you know, I guess rubbing people up the wrong way. Mm. Right. Did you, in terms of parallels, did you um, kind of notice like a bit of a tall poppy vibe when he started winning? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And this is way before my peak. time, by the way. Yeah. Way before my time. But still no one's <laughs> broken his batting average. And, That's and, right. And I'm sure Jordan still holds certain records. I don't know, though. I'm not a stats. I don't have the well, stats the on one, that. The one big one is being um, undefeated in the finals. Like, he, he yeah. lost. But as soon as he got to the level where he was winning championships, it's almost like, oh, it's a wrap. Like, nope, we're not beating that team. And I, I feel gutted. At the at the end, I mean, I don't, you know, that they didn't they didn't let Jordan play another. He didn't have another go at it, and he seems gutted by it. He said, "I can't." It well, still it's, haunts him. It is easy to say right. now in hindsight, but they may not have won that last championship. But at least tried. Mm. But you know what but, else? Even if they tried and they didn't win, they could they could have rolled over to a new team, not completely, but kept some of the greats to pass on wise yeah. words of championship wins. You know how he, um, Peyton was saying it's in their DNA, like their championship teams in their DNA. They could have right. passed some of that to younger bulls or new bulls coming on so that the bulls <laughs> might have stood a chance yeah. to win because they never they won anything. They were hopeless after, after and never won anything. Well, I mean, I... I... In a way, I feel like that was almost the most perplexing part of the documentary. Just the yeah. the the role of the GM and the owner, like not kind of meshing with, well, at least the GM not meshing with Phil Jackson. I thought that was just so yeah. bizarre. Um, because it seemed like, you know, if, if a guy wins five championships for me, <laughs> whether I hate his guts or not, like I'm going to... yeah. Keep give it. credit where credit's due and just kind of you know agree to disagree in terms of our personal relationship but if if it's benefiting the team in that way like i'm not going to tell you that i'm firing you no matter what if even if you go undefeated like after you win your fifth championship that's just crazy yeah, yeah that's what jordan was saying he, his assumption was right he's like phil could have gone 82 nil they wouldn't have 
they're not going to keep him. They just wanted someone else. Maybe but that's how that's how the whole documentary kicked off. Like he he literally told Phil to his face, like I don't care if you go eighty two and zero, I'm you're, you're gone after the season. Like he pretty much said it verbatim. So, I mean, and I I think he's passed away, so it's not like we can kind of find out why the relationship really? was so. Yeah, the GM, um, uh, Jerry Krause. He, yeah, he's not alive. Right. Um, I forget yeah. how he died exactly, but um, right, right, he passed. Yeah, okay. And uh, yeah, but even Pippen gave him a bit of credit at the end, saying he was the best GM. He did. Well, he was ruthless too. He, he was very. Ruthless. Oh, they were him and Jordan were both just jerks to them. Yeah. Like, uh, like they basically just made fun of him to his face. <laughs> yeah, and you can see it throughout the documentary. It was such a strange dynamic. Very mm. strange. Well, speaking of Pippin, we need to we need to talk about him because he was he's also one of the greats in my in our opinion. I remember watching him when I was in the nineties. I think I was in late primary school or mid, what do you call it, middle school or early high school. And Pippin Pippin was just the greatest, and I really love his story as well. Right. But I feel like it's so unfair how he was it was almost like he was being screwed over constantly in terms of being paid what he deserved he was horribly underpaid throughout his time with the bulls um and he was probably one of the most underrated players in nba history like he did so much for the bulls i i remember they kind of had like this the this kind of rolling statistic of all the things he did it was like he was second in rebounds and yeah in assist and was sixth in um in salary on the team at the time which is pretty wild considering he was probably the second most valuable player on the team and could have been a star on any other team um yes. but he just happened to be on this team with the biggest star ever so anyone's going to be overshadowed that, in that situation do you guys think that he was so loyal that he wouldn't because he could have like you said howie do you reckon he could have cut himself a deal and gone i'm just going to go be a star on the other on another team get paid what i need but do you think he was just too loyal to to michael and jackson and that he wouldn't yeah. leave i i mean i my sense is that he enjoyed playing with jordan yeah, like he was. They were good he was mates. One of the, mates. Jordan had so much respect for him. He, I, I think I remember him saying, "When people talk Michael Jordan, they should talk Scottie Pippen as well." Like mm. he, he was one of the rare guys who could stand up to him and didn't back down when he was challenged yeah. and sort of rose to the occasion and sort of was his, um, the Robin to his Batman. Yes, so, very much so. He was always there, always there for him. Yeah, always. he was very comfortable in that role as well. Whereas many guys would have been like, you know what, I want to, I want my own team. I like, I, I don't have to play with this guy. Whatever the case That's may true. be, but I think they had a good relationship. For me, uh, how you might know this in the nineties, that was peak NBA in Australia. Yeah, I mean, when I was at high school, everybody was collecting basketball cards. <laughs> And right. paying a lot of money, a lot of like uh, little milk milk bar shops. Everyone was selling cards. You buy them everywhere. That's all we spent our money on, really. Yeah. Um. And for me, I was collecting Scotty Pippen cards because <laughs> he was my favorite. Oh. Um. And in the show, I guess his personality came out to me. When you say was he loyal, he seemed like a loyal person. Yes. Just pers- just judging his personality. Yeah. For me, the only thing that disappointed me in this series was when he refused to play that last 1.8 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, I think I that's going to haunt him. Yes. But, you know, he, he owned up and apologised, and I think, um, you know, that's, that's in his personality as well. Because that, was, that was the year that Jordan wasn't there, wasn't it? Yeah. He wanted yeah, to – he had something to prove maybe. Yeah, because that – and if you him, remember, like... <laughs> that was the moment where, you know, he wanted to take the last shot and – um. I think Phil Jackson drew up the the play for Tony Kukoc to take the last shot yeah. instead, and he just refused to go into the game because he felt yeah. like you know I'm the best player on the team now. It's it should be my team. Um, I should be taking the shot rather than you know being a good teammate. Yeah. Do you think how if that was Jordan, would Jackson ever say Jordan, you're not taking the last shot? I don't think that would have happened. Well. <laughs> 
even if he did, I feel like if Jordan were in that situation, he would just take it himself. Like he wouldn't really. He'd just take it anyway. <laughs> he, he would just go rogue. Like I don't think he would care whether or not the play was for him if he had a good look at the basket and yeah, felt like he could make the shot. He's going to take it. Did Pip, did, I'm curious to see if uh, Pippen had uh, did he have a career after within he NBA? He did. Yeah, he, he did. Yeah, he went to the Trailblazers after that, um, and they did okay. But I mean, he obviously never won a championship after that. What about just the pure nostalgia of watching this? How you guys like? I don't know about you guys, but I was just like, this is like taking me back to. Yeah my childhood and it's so fabulous and because my mom's boyfriend at the time was like almost two meters tall and was obsessed with basketball and got me into the NBA because it was on Saturday mornings when people I don't know it it wasn't like at a good time but we would always stay um we would always watch it on Saturday mornings even if it was like a bright sunny day I would be like watching the NBA because I think it was I think it was being it was live on like channel like wild wide world of sports or something right um, yeah, not even on a cable, not even like mm-hmm. no cable uh, existed. It was just like on on like one of those channels. And then just touching upon how it was filmed, though, did anyone like I was really I feel like it swung so much. Like I couldn't keep up with the time timeline. <laughs> just it was throwing yeah, me was for a loop. I, I agree. Well, I mean, to to address your last point first, um, I I actually didn't mind the style of the documentary only because it, I mean, it's called the last dance. So Mm. they, I feel like they kind of had to go backward to go forward because it, if, if it's really about the last season um, Mm. and kind of the last championship run, you kind of have to give some background on how they got to that point in on why certain guys have a relationship with each other and how, you know, Rodman was on the Pistons and kind of had all those mm-hmm. battles with Jordan and got to the Bulls. Like, you kind of needed that background, and they had to jump yeah. around a little bit. I know it it must have felt a bit strange at times in certain... Yeah, I'm like, where are we now? Oh, oh wait a second. So they wait, wait, they've won, but now they haven't won. But then, wait. <laughs> so guess, right, right, right. Because we know the story. The documentary is not just for people who know the story. There's other people who might not have known anything about basketball. Because we all right. know the last... Every every final series, I'm like, I kept saying, that, and I, "Oh come on, we know how this ends." <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that was really one of the, the hilarious things about watching this. Like, you would go online and you were you would see people like, "No spoilers, no spoilers." Like, I don't want to find out what happens, and it's like, "Well, guys, like this this happened in the '90s. Like, we exactly. we, we kind of know how this played out." <laughs> I was all excited, like I'm like, right, I'm going back. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get into NBA again. I'm gonna go watch it. And I, I went into YouTube to try and like download some, or like watch some games. And um, I don't know why, but I, um, what's that really? Oh, what's his name? Not, not um, LeBron, because apparently they people right, made right. references of LeBron to Michael Jordan. Apparently, maybe I'm not sure. Um, oh, people do that all the time. There's always discussion. And I went and watched LeBron. Like, okay, let's see what you got, LeBron. I want to see if you're as good as Michael Jordan. So I went on to YouTube and I was like, I, I don't know what it what it is, but maybe it is because of nostalgia, but I didn't find that. I feel like NBA now when I watched LeBron playing, it lost some of its, um, there's like the grittiness or the, totally. I don't know, there's like there's some magical rough, roughness around the edges, even like in the Larry Bird, Magic Johnson days, because I still remember them too. I watched yeah. Larry Bird at the end of his career. There was something. It doesn't. Ha- it's very. It's very uh, clean and like very calculated, very meticulous. It's kind of like rugby league now, as opposed to watching it back in the mm, old days. Like right. there was some. Maybe it's because they kind of rumble tumbled a bit. I don't know if that's it. Oh they- no, I I think you you kind of hit the nail in the head. Like Nick was saying earlier as well, I think the '90s was kind of the golden era for yeah. the NBA, and it's it's not just nostalgia. I mean, I it's it, it is partly because I mean, I felt like back then there was no social media. You kind of had mm-hmm. to tune into the game if you didn't tape it. Um, and 
there was just sort of a mystique about guys like Jordan and Pippen, and you 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 didn't really know every detail of their life like you do now with yeah. say like a LeBron. You can go on Instagram and kind of see everything he's been up to for like the past month if you want. Yeah. You really wanted to. You couldn't do that with Jordan. You'd have to kind of wait for like little interviews or your perception of him was from watching the games really largely or from uh, commercials or from Space Jam or something like that's kind of how you got a glimpse of his personality. But I just feel like nowadays there's less physicality in the NBA. And back then you'd be able to like pretty much knock a guy out and you would just get called like it was just a flagrant foul. It wasn't you wouldn't get thrown out of the game. (laughs) <laughs> so I think it's kind of a combination of all of those things that contribute to that nostalgic feeling more so than just growing up in that time period. I, it was a different NBA. It really was. It was a magical time. And he was like a mythical, he was like a mythical creature. Right. And he's, a, and they said, they said they quoted, there's a guy who was like a media guy quoted in the, in the, in the doco uh, thing. He's a mystic. You know, Michael's a mystic. He's always in the present moment, and it's like it's it's still he was he was a bit of a I don't know like an like in that way, yeah. And and he he yeah like he took every every in every slight every everything as a personal indignation. Speaking of that, this wasn't in the documentary, but I read it in the papers in Australia. Uh, Chris Anstey, who was an Australian basketballer, who was at the Bulls post Jordan. They had a rookie in the team. I can't remember his name, but he was saying, I can beat anyone one-on-one, even Michael Jordan. <laughs> right. Enough, the word back to Jordan, and he turned up at training with the ball and said, I heard you've been talking about me and you can beat me one-on-one, and then just roasted him in a game of one-on-one. <laughs> that was even in retirement. Hilarious story. I, I think that was, you know, part of the enjoyment of the documentary as well. Like, so many of these anecdotes and these stories about how Jordan was just ruthless and how like these guys kept thinking, Oh, it's a good idea to talk trash to him or it's a good idea to challenge him. And every yeah, single time that, he's yeah. just like, he's like, okay, I'll just it like, like he, that coach who walked past him in the restaurant and didn't say hello. That, that's all he needed. <laughs> that's all he needed. I, I like the ones where Jordan says that he said something. They go, I never said that. Yeah. <laughs> Right, he literally created the whole narrative in his head just to get hyped up to whip the dude's ass, basically. Yeah, but I guess if you're playing that many games of basketball for so many years, you need something to keep your edge. Yeah, you need new motivations. That's what it is. I mean, psychology is a big part of the game, and if you can motivate yourself with real or imagined um, slides, I think that's what led to his greatness, or at least part of it. And the way he handled himself, I just think he was so. I think he is so smart. He he handles him. He handles like the media, and he speaks so well. I feel like he is so direct. He's so honest. I think he. I feel like he has a lot of personal integrity. Like, um, I think I was thinking that he, he's he played for the Bulls, but he is no bull. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think he also hid a lot of um, pain himself. I mean, his yeah. father's death really resonated and yeah. you know led yeah. to him, he partly led to him leaving the game but he also talked about the media scrutiny being too much at times mm. and when they were talking about that be like mike mm. um campaign i remember he said why would you want to be like mike you have to stay inside all day and he was lying on the couch with a cigar you know, there's he seems to handle it well but secretly i think you know it did get to him yeah how did you it how did, did you guys feel about that aspect that's because that's really interesting i wanted to kind of touch on that like would you want to be well, Michael like, Jordan? Um, everyone wants to be this celebrity, but I think it's actually a lot tougher. Mm-hmm. You, you know, just going out in public would be tough. Like mm-hmm. everybody just demanding autographs everywhere you go. You know, the media, Counting. you know, s- waiting outside the doors after the game. You can't even, you know, get to the get to your car. I think that'd be a tough life, actually. It's not like basketballers are very inconspicuous as it is so right. like he couldn't even like put on a disguise because like, right. too tall too tall imagine that existence though like you you have to like the game itself is that intense and the preparation is that intense uh just you know with your teammates and playing in these games against some of the best competition in the world 
then you immediately have to shut that off and be in media mode and kind of present yourself in the most polished way and kind of be as careful as you possibly can. Meanwhile, being a role model for kids and kind of being like Mike. Mm. And then, like, there's just media following you every single day of your life, but, like, the most intense media presence that you can imagine every single day. It's just, like, it's like being in a pressure cooker. What What I felt was missing from the documentary, there wasn't much about his family life. So I know he was married, had children. The children were not in it much at all. Mm-hmm. And there's no, men- I think the marriage broke down in the end. But yeah. very little um, mention of that in the documentary and whether it was re- that lifestyle was related to the relationship breakdown because that's another aspect to deal with. They've got to do the media, yeah. the game, and then you've got a family as well. But it'd be tough. I think it just shows his men, I think he has incredible mental and physical stamina. He's, he's, I mean, it's 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 incredible. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of internal strength, and he seemed to be able to compartmentalize those things. Like his, well, there was glimpses of it where he was sobbing on the floor after the championship when his father was gone. Obviously, that one played a huge point, but he did admit himself he's a very positive person. He tries to always look to some kind of optimism through these situations. And I don't think he led his personal life into his game at all. Like, he, he separated professional. Yeah. And Speaking of the positivity, I did notice when, you know, they were showing the interviews with other people and he'd, he'd sort of, and they'd give him the tablet to, to watch the video and he sort of scoffed out of it, like, that can't possibly be true. Right. <laughs> are you just denying that it could be true or you just don't want it to be true? Mm. I, I don't know. Obviously, you could tell he was a very opinionated guy and a very, yeah. well, I feel like we probably didn't get that before seeing this documentary, just how opinionated he was. You obviously knew about how talented he was and his work ethic and his persona as a basketball player, but I don't feel like many people knew what Jordan the person is like. And we've seen little I glimpses now. I tried to find him on Instagram. He's not there. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. I didn't write, Howie, that he's very opinionated, but not to the. But he never got political. Yeah. No. Surprised he had the ability to, you know, because he had such a big cultural influence and maybe not be a politician, but, you know, back the the black politician, I can't remember who his name at the time. Oh, yeah. The, but, you know, yeah. how he just refused right. to be involved with it. And I thought, oh, I mean, that, was, that was a missed opportunity maybe. Maybe. That. Yeah. Maybe. But still you can understand. Like it's like actors talking about politics. You're kind of like, okay, right, I get it. But, oh, like, I don't know. And maybe he you didn't want to be he wanted to be known for the sport, not the politics. That's that's a really interesting point because Jordan has been criticized quite a bit for not being as political as he should have been. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in, in the eyes of a lot of people, whereas like a, a guy like LeBron James is, is quite outspoken when it comes to a lot of different political issues and social unrest and and things of that nature jordan is quite protective of his brand uh, yeah more so than a lot of other athletes but i mean if you got to think like i don't even i don't even know what his net worth is i'm sure it's it's oh i check it's like he's a billionaire billionaire. i I did actually hear i don't know if it's true he's made more money from the air jordan brand than he did as a player i have heard that oh yeah i mean I mean, I can't think of any other athlete who has made more money off of shoes than Jordan. Agreed. I, and we have to. Tried. And I have to point out, and like, it, and I'm like, yes, Jordan. He preferred Adidas. He wanted it to be Adidas, but they went with Nike because yeah. they were like this up and coming brand. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wasn't oh that God. fascinating? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think after Oprah Winfrey, he's the second rich and she's a billionaire he's a billionaire and he's i think he's the second second richest african-american after oprah winfrey right incredible he's he's you kind of look at him after this documentary and you're like it 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 kind of only adds to his legend and to the yes mystique about him the fact that the fact that he did have to like get out of the game because they broke down the team and the coach the fact that he went to baseball and I think we need to touch upon this that he went to baseball and got was starting to get really good at it and what would have happened if he continued 
I just wondering the the point of the documentary, how you mentioned it was all about the last season, but was it about the Bulls? Was it about Jordan? Or was it about just that last season? It was I feel like it was a, well, I mean, Jordan is gonna be the the focal point because he's Jordan, but I feel like it was sort of about the team. I mean, there was a Dennis Rodman uh, episode. Yeah, he because they, they, they had the little profiles on on Rodman and and Pippen, uh, Pippen and, and Kerr. Kerr. Which it's Kerr's was quite sad actually with you know what happened to his Very father. And... They had so much in common. Yeah, I thought they should have bought they would have been no. Closely bonded by that, it's, but it didn't seem. It's to very be. clear that the team dynamic they did they respected each other and they played with each other, but they were not friends. friends. Yeah, I think Jordan kind of had a wall up as well with a lot of guys on the yes. team. Um, yes. Where if you didn't kind of prove yourself, that I don't even know that you had a professional relationship where you could kind of be buddy buddy on the court with him, or even kind of casually friendly with him on the court. It's like if you didn't get to a level where he could trust you. It's like don't even look at me. Like I'm, like I'm focused on winning. And if you're not a part of that, then like <laughs> I don't want to hear from you. That makes sense. I mean, they play 82 games together in the season. That's a lot of time together. So maybe getting away from each other is a good thing. It's I mean, he might gamble with you and steal your money, but I don't know if he's gonna like talk to you about you know. Yeah, his dad being murdered. I feel like he would yeah. really have to trust you. I, I don't even know if he would have this conversation like that with someone like Scotty. Yeah, I don't think so either. It seemed that in their confessionals, they all had little personal anecdotes and experiences. Like they did have some kind of relationship, but not. It was team related. It wasn't deep, yeah, very deep. Scotty didn't seem like a big chatter himself either. No, he's he quite. Res- he seems very, very reserved. reserved. Yeah. What did you What did you think of Pippen? Yeah, he he was definitely more, or he definitely seemed less. Um, I wouldn't say vocal because he had he was definitely definitely had opinions on things, and I don't know. He just he's he's different to Michael. Um, they they mm. both kind of had their approach to the game and and kind of how they um related to the team and to each other. And most people are gonna seem like smaller personalities when you're in a room yeah. with Jordan. Like it's just, he was still it, very, he's a very competitive person. You can tell there's a lot going on inside. It just yeah, I guess in just a, yeah, just more. He wasn't. Yeah. Maybe, he wasn't overtly, maybe slightly more introverted. Maybe with with the contract because he he you know Jordan would go in there and demand a dollar figure. Like you could see it. I want this much. Uh-huh. Whereas Pippen would probably like listen to the offer and go, oh yeah, that's alright. I'll take that. <laughs> so, I mean, I think they. Or he didn't have maybe that's good, what that was the background to that. Or he didn't have issue. good management, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, oh, but that, then, yeah, it was it was great. It was it's great. It was it was great. It it gave you everything you needed. It gave you more insight into Jordan. I think he still looks um very, very like fit and healthy and amazing for his age. And mm. it gave you some insight into what it's like working in a team, you know, there's, these are professional relationships that we could all relate to a little bit. I mean, we're not professional athletes, but we all, you know, have to deal with people and personalities and how yeah. you navigate that space and just the nostalgia. I think it was, it was great that they did it really great. Like loved it, loved it. Loved, I love all the, yeah, I love the team. I love how the team came together when they had to play others. And it was good to see Luke Longley, our Aussie bull. Luke Longley. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't hear a word from him. They've been trying. I heard on the radio, like, he's incredibly, like, he's like a hermit. Like, I mean, yeah. like, they can't get a word wow. out of him. Like, they tried to. They tried to get him because the, these radio personalities have been trying to contact him to get his word on this, and he won't say anything. Ah, so maybe he's just yeah, more he pretty, kind of. He was a pretty good player. Yeah, he was a big part of a lot of those uh, championship teams. Yeah. The other thing for me is. What have they been doing with all this footage over the years? They got all this amazing footage. I've never seen it before until this documentary. From what I understand, Jordan kind of wanted it uh, kept uh, hidden until now. Like he he kind of only signed off on it being kind of released now. Maybe wow. this. Like, oh my god! It adds, it, adds just to, it adds to the legend even more. Like it's almost <laughs> right? like is he a little bit of a prophet? Like did he know? Like has he been watching this whole time going? This is gonna come handy one day. Like, let's yeah. keep it archived and like. And is it on purpose that he's not on social media? Like, he keeps his legend so he just 
you know what? He's really good at managing his profile. <laughs> like, just- exactly. Exactly. And as, he's he gets criticized for that oftentimes because a lot of people feel like he keeps it too close to the vest. And that's good. Like he should be more outward with his personality and his personal life and his family life. But I feel like I he, he, he kind he, of only he, lets you see glimpses. Like he, he'll peel back the curtain, but he won't let you see the what's really going on. Yeah, I agree with that. Do, yeah, and I guess also, do you think it's interesting, like, the the guy, I don't remember his name, but he was his, he was his personal assistant and best friend. Like, you could only be his best friend if you worked in his circle. Like, I didn't get, I don't know, I found that interesting as well. Like, that was very interesting. Just the, the company he kept. Did, did you guys kept, kind of company. notice that? Yeah, he, he, he he related to the the guys the security guys he wanted to keep older older men like his father around he kind of looked having like that older paternal presence in his life rather than being around guys that were sort of his his own age and his contemporaries it seemed like yeah quite interesting hmm well i think we've 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 uh we've run the gauntlet on that i think we've really um We've covered a lot of ground. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, is that what they say in basketball? We covered the court. We covered the court. Yeah. Uh, yes. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, it was it's a great episode, and we we hope you you know if you've watched it and you hope you get some insights and 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 cool perspectives from this. And if you haven't, I would re- definitely recommend it's on Netflix. Last Dance. Uh, yeah, go watch it. It's a must-watch for any sports fan yeah. out there. Any sports fan, but even Be- Beck's not Beck watched it, and she—it's not like she was a mad NBA fan. I don't think was she. She was into it. She definitely is into basketball. She's not as fanatical as I am, but she definitely appreciates yeah. the sport. And she is a sports of, fan. Yeah, it was. I feel like nostalgic for her as well. Just kind of reliving. Mm. 90s basketball at its peak and um yeah i feel like it's just interesting culturally for people as well and just kind of seeing the impact jordan had on culture collectively yes i think that is that is if you can take away anything and these last few seconds of the podcast definitely a a cultural phenomenon someone and someone that really impacted the whole world at a very very relevant and poignant time in the 90s uh so yeah um thanks guys again we really appreciate it thanks, thanks for having us yeah thanks hannah it was a blast you. we can talk um, for hours i know <laughs> stay safe as always and we'll see you next time thanks bye can we see it can we see it